there's something else that's way, way, way more powerful than medication. It is having a support system. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So, one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on social media at suicidenoted. And keep in mind, please, we are talking about suicide and this may not be a good fit for everybody. So please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. A massive thanks to all of our suicide attempt survivors who have joined me on this podcast since we launched in July of 2020. It has been an amazing, interesting, unforgettable, powerful, fill-in-more-adjectives experience for me, and I hope for the listeners as well. And of course, a special thanks to our listeners around the world who keep listening. Thank you. Really, thank you. A friendly reminder, if you would like to help us out, well, just keep doing what you're doing. Listen to the podcast. Let other people know about it. If you want to make a financial contribution, whether that's one time or recurring, I'll put a link in the show notes on how you can do that. And the other way, and I think people often overlook this, is rating and reviewing this podcast. I don't know exactly how those algorithms work, but apparently, if you do that, and I think you can only do it on Apple, it helps. So if you're on Apple, please do it. Thanks. Today, I am talking with Amy. Amy lives in North Carolina, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Amy. Hi. Thank you for joining me. And you are a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Don't think I've spoken to a lot of therapists, and I always or often qualify what I'm saying on this podcast. You've maybe heard it if you've heard the podcast, like, Oh, the therapists and counselors aren't going to like what I'm about to say, because I never want to, I'm never suggesting don't get therapy or don't go to the hospital, but my take on it, my experience and some others is it's not always so great. So let's just be real about it. Yeah, right. It, yeah, it really isn't. When I have to, you know, involuntarily commit someone to go to the hospital, they are traumatized by that 100%. because they're picked up by, you know, a, a cop car and handcuffed and put in the back of their, you know, and that could be in front of a, you know, school of people or their neighbors or their coworkers is traumatizing. You know, we want them to be safe, but um, yeah, we're not really um, thinking of them as a holistic person. You know, it's all about, I want this off of me. I don't want it to be on my watch that you kill yourself. And, and that's unfortunately what, you know, a lot of therapists and, you know, providers are motivated by. When you say holistic person, I hear person. When I was put into the uh, hospital for the second time a couple of years ago, and it was like not clear if it was voluntary or not. It was kind of like, because this guy, my counselor, wasn't clear, which was a problem. But I remember saying to him, and I, and I tell you this, I mean it. I said, what I really need 
Not that it's going to be a cure-all, but what I really need right now is a walk in the woods with a friend. And I meant it. And I think you're right. The reason, or at least the main reason he sent me to this place, not a great place. There are worse, but not a great place was just what you said. I don't want this in case you off yourself on my watch. It's an important conversation that unfortunately it's still just in, you know, very few conversations of, um, you know, because I have had patients that have committed suicide and what happens when it is on my watch. And I was the last person to see them is that, you know, I am under a microscope with the people that pay me is my license going to be compromised. Um, and it's a ton of paperwork. It's like, it's like, you know, days of paperwork that you can't get your other stuff done and it's paperwork versus someone, you know, saving someone's life that should not be synonymous or part of why, you know, we are so motivated to like, be like, I'm going to make sure you're safe so that it doesn't come back on me. And also look, there's no, I don't think I, and I don't think you are suggesting there's any sort of easy fix here, or we would do it. If it was an easy fix, we would do the easy fix. Nobody's suggesting that anything's easy here or that anybody, but, but we just do get some things wrong. But I also get why therapists and counselors do that. Given, given, like I was a teacher for many years and I ended up doing things that I hated because I really realized like, if I don't do it, it makes it in a way worse because it's a systemic thing. So I'll play the game, but it still sucked. Yeah. And, you know, I've been struggling with that. Like, like how, how authentic do I want to be? Am I afraid? You know, do I know what would happen if someone who, you know, hears this and they're like, you know, I think that you should, um, you know, I, I don't think we can keep you on as a therapist. But and then on the other hand, I think by being brave and, and having this conversation and, and saying like, look, I'm a real person too. And actually, I think that the experience that I have had for my own stuff is making me a better therapist. I can relate and I can give you language that goes along with with maybe how you're feeling. I'm worried about being brave about this, but I, I think on the other hand, um, one really great therapist of mine said, count on yourself that, that if something happens in the future of, you know, like my worst fear, like I'm going to get fired for this, that I will have the tools later on down the line to deal with that. And I can't worry about that right now, I guess. I understand your concern. Interestingly though, even though you are a therapist and you have dealt with losing people in your life, that might inform our conversation, but this conversation is about you and what you've gone through what is the reason you reached out to this strange man in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who seems to almost like talking about suicide? Well, when I attempted most recently, which it was um, in January of 2021, I then uh, was really taken aback that I did that. And I reached out and, and found your podcast. And it was super, super helpful because listening to other people's story helped me give some kind of validation to things that I were feeling and experiencing, like in little insightful nuggets. The one gal from um, Maryland, she was one of your earlier people, like how she explained, you know, for me, it was like dead on how she said, I felt that if I wasn't here, everybody would be better off without me here because I, I create so many problems or I, I'm so whatever, you know, I create conflict or whatever. And, and if I wasn't here, you know, everybody would be better. And, and her hearing her say that, I was like, that's totally how I felt. How many attempts, however you define that word, do you have? Two. 
the, the first one, I was 14 in therapy world. You know, it's like, do you have a plan? Do you have the intent to do it? And, and then of course, you know, do you have the means to do it? So my attempt then was I was standing on a bridge in the middle of the night in the dead of winter when I was 14. And was it just about to jump off um, a bridge into like a four lane highway? Uh, and then someone stopped in their car and said, what are you doing? You know, you need to, you need to not do this. And then they drove off. And so that kind of like jarred me back to like, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't do this. Do you think that person was a sort of random or was that perhaps some sort of something else, a little bit more divine? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent was something divine because they literally just slowed down and said, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Uh, and then just kind of drove off. Do you, you know, I'll probably ask you a question or two that therapists and counselors would say you shouldn't ask. It's just the way I do things, but you never have to answer if you don't want to. And the reason why sometimes they're hard, they're hard questions. The question of like, don't ask people why they tried. And I'm like, no, I want to ask them why they tried. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to answer. Do you know? I know we're going back a couple of years here, at least. Are you even able to answer that question? The why behind that attempt? Oh yeah. It was because of a boy, because of a boy who didn't like me. And I was just head over heels for him. Also, um, I don't remember the timing of it. I, I want to th- think that, so my grandfather that same year committed suicide. Um, he shot himself mm-hmm. in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. My dad and uncles had to clean it up. I want to believe that after that happened, that kind of gave me the forethought of, of then I want to die as well. I want to kill myself because this boy doesn't like me. <laughs> um, you know, I have struggled with m- mental illness. You know, I think that was one of the first indicators mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I, I think very differently because I, you know, I then remember, you know, going on, you know, Paxil and Prozac and pretty much every single medication, you know, very shortly after that, you know, my mom took me to a psychiatrist that did not go well because he thought that I was flirting with him um, and, and said, you know, gave me this long speech of like, you, you can't like me. And I didn't. And so anyway, it was just very awkward. So I stopped going to that psychiatrist, you know, was unmedicated for a, a long time, you know, years into um, high school and college alcohol, um, you know, played a huge role, has, has played a huge role in my life. But, but my tendency to be very depressed and sad is, is typically, you know, relationship due to a relationship or a broken relationship. And of mm-hmm. course, that is the case of this recent attempt. And, and I think I emailed you, I said that when I emailed you a few weeks ago that I was actively suicidal, mm-hmm. which I no longer am today. Good. It's such an interesting spot that I'm sometimes in where I almost wonder if I'm I'm getting into sort of dangerous legal issues. I don't think I am, but I think about that. I had one guy early on, you might've heard the podcast. It was one of my early ones who said very clearly, I am going to end my life later this year. I remember. Yep. Yeah. And I believe he has. And so it makes me step back. What is my role here? And what is it not? So far, I think I'm okay. It's just, hmm, okay. Well, you know, as a therapist, you know, I'm asking myself that question all the time of like, Am I doing enough? You know, yeah. and we, you know, we have a system in place of the people who are verbalizing that, you know, they are on a tracker and we have to check in with them once a week and they're discussed at very high levels. But at the end of the day, um, and, and a, you know, a supervisor of mine, tons of years of decades of experience providing mental health service said, you know, 
the bottom line is if, if someone is deciding that they're going to do it, what, what can we do? You, you hope that they can listen to some of these stories and know that, I don't know, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're not alone in how you think. You're not alone in, you know, why you're feeling like this. There's, you know, there's not anything severely, you know, wrong, broken with you that you're feeling this way um, because life really is hard and life has been really fucking hard for a year and a fucking half aside from the, the hardships of just everyday life. In a weird know? way that, that I've talked to some people they are like, yeah, sure. This year was hard, but every year is hard. In a way, they're yeah. almost, some people have this sort of built-in resiliency because it's no harder than my life is normally. In some ways, it's even a little bit better for some of them because they don't have this, just what they've shared with me. You know, everybody's succeeding. Everybody's happy. It's like everybody's locked down. They're all, they all feel what I feel. There's almost a sense of like, aha, okay. If I can go back a little bit, when you are 14 and you almost jump and you don't, I'm wondering if you can recall, like, what's it like to come that close to ending your life and then you're not dead? I mean, you still have the problems. You're still you. Yeah. He's the, the boy still doesn't like me in that moment. And with that person that drove by, um, I, I think it was definitely, you know, divine thoughts that then came into my mind of, you know, I can't do this. Um, you know, I will go, I will go to hell. I will hurt my family. Yeah. I stepped back. So you got on with life. And if I were there looking and hearing 14, 15, 16 year old Amy, would I have seen and heard a, a young lady who was from the outside kind of okay? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That reminds me of a few years later when I was a junior in high school. So just two years after that, you know, I was the lead in the play. I was, I had just one, um, you know, I was going to be student body president next year. A teacher walked by me and she said, what is wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? And she said, you just look so sad. You look really sad. You have nothing that you should be sad about. You have all these things going for you. And I, and I remember feeling like, yeah, I really, really am sad with all of this going on. I just, when I hear stuff like that, I want to call out it called out because people might hear, I'm saying this, you're not saying this. Yeah. I don't think there's ever a reason to ever say to any human being ever, there's nothing to be sad about. That's a bullshit statement. It never, it, it's bullshit. Yeah. That's not how sadness works. Mm -hmm. That's Sean, not Amy. Okay, let's go. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. And, 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 you know, like she completely, well, I guess like not invalidated me, but, you know, she just took a look at me and, you know, I guess I, in her eyes, I was supposed to be happy and smiling and I wasn't. And, but I, but I remember feeling taken aback because, you know, I was shocked that, that someone saw that. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's come up a, a lot more in my life where people are like, why, why are you so sad? You know, why are you always so sad? Why are you always so not satisfied? Why are you so angry? You know, and I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> well, those aren't even questions, though. I mean, we can. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there's a why and a question mark. Those are statements. They're not questions. Right. right and if right. somebody had actually asked you that legitimately, it might be a very different conversation. And I ain't no genius here. I'll tell you that. It's pretty basic. But apparently <laughs> it's not. You felt you're, you're at least one person in your life knew about your attempt or your near attempt because you went to a therapist after the one that you ended up not seeing your Correct. mom. You're, you told her. No, I didn't tell her about that attempt at 14. But I remember, you know, I guess she maybe saw that, too. You know, the mask of sadness, okay. I guess, that I always had. 
Um, and I think I, then I, we had a conversation. I said, yeah, I'm just really, really sad about everything. Um, so she was like, she got me in to see somebody. And so do you think as you go through high school with your mask of sadness, your challenges or your pain informs your choice to become a therapist? Well, yeah, I didn't, I did not actually become a therapist until um, six years ago. Oh, wow. Um, mm -hmm. So I went into the military after high school, met my now ex-husband, married for 20 years. We have four kids. Again, you know, a, you know, a successful story, but all along I've always been sad and, and not satisfied. There are traits of, um, and this is not in like the DSM-5, but I feel like I have traits of imposter syndrome. Sooner or later, everybody's going to figure out I'm the biggest asshole and a bitch and stupid. And, you know, I, I think that has been kind of pervasive for me where I just, I, I have a lot of self-loathing. I have a lot of self-hatred. I um, always feel like I'm not deserving of my happiness or I'm going to screw it up somehow. And I have, <laughs> I have screwed up my marriage, really messed that up. That contributed to my attempt in, in January. Do you think that and I'm asking Amy as Amy, but also maybe Amy, Amy as somebody who's trained in this field, the stuff that you just mentioned, all of it, how you feel, the imposter syndrome, do you think that's fixable? You think that's just it? And you know, I'll make the best of it. Um, I absolutely do think it's fixable. And, um, you know, of course, that is the reason why I became a, a you know, a therapist is because hey, if I'm going to pay all this money to get this degree, I'm going to use this shit on myself. Of course, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make all my money worth it. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely think that we all have the ability to figure out what is going on internally. And a lot of times that is, I think, what good therapy is, getting that out, talking about your story, putting it in a narrative. And, you know, that therapist, the way that I like to practice is I want to listen but I also want to, you know, share with you, like, here's what I hear. A lot of times that's super effective is like just reflecting back to the person. Do you know that you just said this? But yeah, you know, that it, with the training. Yeah, of course. You know, like, hey, you know what? This really sounds like d major depression or anxiety. And then, of course, that's helpful when you can then get receive a, some kind of a medication. Not saying I'm a huge fan of medication. Just in my experience, I've said this to a lot of my patients. There's something else that's way, way, way more powerful than medication. It is having a support system. It's having people around. It's talking to people. That is so much more powerful than any medication that you could ever take or any combination of medications is when you have people that can support you. You know, when I came back from the hospital, I was only there for a week. I remember telling a couple of people, including my sister, who was great, you know, helped me out so much. If you're hearing this, Risa, thank you. Love you. Um, Thanks, Lisa. I love you. Lisa, I love you. But I remember saying, I, I'm coming back to my home, my little, my little duplex. I'm alone. It's not going to work. That makes me think of what you just said. Like, yep. Yeah, all right. They changed my medication. That might help. That might help. Legit. Got off of Adderall, which was making my life bad, even though it was good, but bad, you know, I wasn't being like a pessimist. I just knew it was, I thought it was actually decent self-awareness, not going to work if I'm here alone almost all the time. Do you, um, when you're 14 and until January, 2021, you've had these, some successes from the outside, including a marriage and kids and military. And I'm sure there's other things. Are you ideating at all? Are you thinking about death? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That, that, that whole time my spouse would have to leave a lot and I was alone a lot. And I remember going, you know, I was, I've grown up Catholic 
uh, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, going to confession and a priest, I confessed that I said, I've been thinking of, you know, suicide recently. And he was very angry at me, scolded me and said, how dare you? I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah. So I, I do remember, you know, with things like that, like thinking, you know, that I did have those thoughts, but never, you know, had a plan, but, you know, yeah, I always had a thought, you know, driving with my kids, like, what if I just drove off the road? And then of course, you know, having that protective factor of the kids couldn't do that. But yeah, thoughts all the time, you know, what if I did this? What if I did that? What if I were in this high rise in Myrtle Beach? What if I just jump off, you know, just, and it's, it's scary when you have your, those thoughts like that. (laughs) Yeah. How many people in the world know about the 14 year old attempt? I don't even know if I told my mom that. So probably just that one therapist knows about that 14-year-old uh, incident. Now, you know, there'll be people who hear this. Now they know, but they don't really know you, but there'll be people out there who hear this. But that's yes. why we do the podcast. That's one of the reasons it's being done. Right. And so you had said earlier uh, about your marriage and then connecting that to January. Now, I don't want to skip over stuff, and this doesn't have to be chronological or linear, but I'm curious... <laughs> interesting for lack of a better word thing 14 and then at least two decades later i'm not much of a math guy i mean that's a that's a long period of time so i have been uh separated for about two years now i think it was a combination of you know i always get super super sad and down at the holidays the way that my you know separation and you know soon to be divorce has played out well let's see how can i say this (laughs) i i left you know, I left. The kids stayed there. Um, I moved just down the street, but it still really felt, you know, that's shameful. If the mother leaves, the woman leaves. Well, that's, you know, that's really bad. She must have done something really, really bad. So anyway, you know, a lot of tons of judgment from others, but it was, you know, needed to be done. You know, and now my children, all of them say, no, you and dad are so much better not together. Um, you know, you're happier mom and you're not yelling at us as much. And, you know, you, you guys just aren't, weren't a good fit. Um, however, I I was still really, really mourning that. So we have the, you know, combination of the holidays and how much they depressed the shit out of me. I had gotten into an argument with my ex and he kind of cut off communication. You know, the kids were angry with me. So that was kind of where I had those thoughts of, you know, you know what, they would be, they would be better off without me. I just bring too much drama to the the equation. You're fine with, you know, not living with me at my house. So, you know, you guys are, you guys will just be better off. There is also a, a, another relationship that I had a long distance relationship that um, has been very, very tumultuous and and we had just broken up. So yeah, I was just like, yep, you know what? I don't want to live with this pain anymore. Mm -hmm. What'd you do? I took um, a lot of uh, over-the-counter medication. I don't want to give anybody any ideas. And used, uh, you know, had alcohol with that. So I had I had driven to a, a very secluded spot. I brought a Christmas tree bag with me. This place that I went to, there's a couch there. And it's like right by a lake. There's a couch. So I got in my Christmas tree bag and sat on the couch. Um, you know, I, I, and that is when I took that, took the the pills and the alcohol there. I remember feeling, you know, I, I felt it starting to take effect and, um, I was like, all right, here we go. This is, this is what it's like. And it, it hurt. It was painful. But it does. And then I passed out and then woke up in the morning and I was like, well, shit, 
that didn't fucking work. Um, but I put, I put myself in the Christmas tree bag because number one, I wanted to drive out there. So my family wouldn't find me. And that if whoever did find me, they could just zip me up in the bag and like roll me onto the gurney. And it was very yeah. nice of you, uh, Amy. Not very, <laughs> I was, very I was thinking, cool. thinking of the person who was going to find me and yeah. the people who would have had to transport my body to wherever. Didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah. And you're here. And, then, and here I am. Yeah. The recent ideations that I've had in the last month or so it is because, um, you know, I found out that the ex now has a girlfriend mm. and I wanted to try to work things out. But yeah, he uh, he's done, and I have to, you know, I have to accept that because that because that that information was kept from me. Um, my kids, like he's had this girlfriend now for like six months, and no one shared that with me. Ooh, yeah, Found out, so my kids were keeping that from me because they wanted to protect me, of course. But that made me feel like they decided to do that for a reason, <laughs> for for mm-hmm. how I've behaved in the past, or you know that that I freak out and get upset. And, and, you know, so I have to take ownership of that, that, you know, it's not that they arbitrarily wanted to, you know, keep that for me. Yeah. That, that I, that I do behave in, in certain ways where they're, they know that I'm very, I guess, fragile. Um, but again, it, it being very defensive and angry and thinking that I was going to be replaced. This woman has been around my kids now for six months and I knew nothing about it. And not, not only just my kids, but my kids' friends. And, you know, and then I didn't trust, you know, the parents of those friends that I felt they knew and they were keeping it from me. So again, it was just another thing that my brain got stuck on of like, see, you know what, you would be better off if you weren't here, because all these people are trying to tiptoe around you and he's moving on, the kids are going to move on, you know, and, and it just, um, yeah, just sent me in a huge spiral downward. But one thing that I did this time is that I reached out to as many people who would listen to me. Really? And I have, yeah. So I've told, I mean, I want to say like maybe, you know, 15 people, I, you know, I called them or asked them, you know, I, I am suicidal. Like I am really thinking about this and I need, I need you to help me. I need you to help me get through this. You know, I, I I'm really, really lucky that, that, you know, people did listen and I knew to do that, you know, I knew to reach out, you know, called the suicide hotline probably about 10 times. That was always disappointing. Like they, they at least would listen to me and I could cry and like at least get it out. But, you know, when, when it's like, okay, now what? I, it always left me like, oh, okay, yeah. No, I know what that, I know the number to NAMI. Like they don't really offer anything except listening, but, but it's a, it is a really good resource. And that listening can be helpful for sure. I mean, a lot of people get none of of that. So even having somebody for a few minutes, that's a good title for a book though. Like now what? Now what? Yeah. That's what I always do. That's the same thing. When I came back from the hospital, I'm alone. I'm like, now what? Yeah. Right. Are you just saying that so that you can check a box and and say, "I, I covered everything that I'm supposed to. What else can I, what else can I offer this person? I don't know. And I mean, sometimes um, there is nothing else that, for example, that person on the other on the phone, what else can they do? I mean, unless they're going to get in their car and go right. over and watch TV with you, there's just nothing else they can do, right? It sucks. I mean, yeah, like kind of thought about that. Are they obligated to send something, an ambulance or, you know, is, where is it connecting to? Is it really connected yeah. somewhere local where they can trace your whatever? And, you know, who yeah. knows? With cell phones, it makes it very hard to <laughs> figure out where you are. So yeah, I'm not really sure that whole system. Um, but it is, you know, it, it is that that you know they will listen. They will listen, and they will try to offer solutions. Um, I think it was just in my 
in my own head, I was just like, well, you're not fucking helpful. Goodbye. Do you have a therapist yourself? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That must be interesting. Well, yeah. And, and he's really tough on me because he knows that I will, I can out therapy him, but right back. Mm. <laughs> but I've asked, I asked him that, you know, to begin with, I said, you got to, you got to be tough on me and I'm going to yeah. resist and I'm going to fight back. And I'm going to be like, you know, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. It is right now a good fit. And he does really care and he listens. And you've been able to mostly maintain your practice. Yeah, I really have. It, it was really difficult because, you know, I was, you know, going and listening to people's, you know, air quotes problems. And I'm like, wow, yeah, I'm sorry that you're really stressed out about your upcoming baby shower. Um, <laughs> and I had to, you know, put that in context that this is a problem for this person, but, you know, <laughs> I can't come back and be like, I want to fucking kill myself. So good luck. Right. With your I'm really so sorry that your diamond shoes are so tight. You know, that's is what I love about my job is, is that, you know, it is that, you know, that person taking a risk telling me what, what is what's wrong. And now when people do come to me, and they say that they are suicidal, you know, I know that like, okay, number one, I bet you have a lot of problems, you think that you have a lot of problems that are unsolvable. And that's overwhelming, right? Yes. Like, I have all this fucking shit going on, all these fucking problems, I, I, I can't solve them. And, you know, so I try to pull out, okay, what, what is, what's wrong? You know, what, what are some of your problems? And, and, and that makes me the scared the most is when someone comes back to, you know, says to me, I I would be, be everybody would be better off if I wasn't here because I, you know, I know that that feeling one of my patients recently said to me, you know, he, you know, he was, he shared, you know, I am suicidal. You know, I said, okay, what, why, why are you not going to kill yourself today? Right now? Tell me why. And he said this most brilliant answer. He said, because I know that if I killed myself, the pain that I have personally right now, I would be putting that into the world and multiplying it and giving all that pain to all these other people that I know would be in pain if I killed myself. So I don't want to spread that pain around. I don't want to give my pain away. And so that's what, that's why I'm not going to do it. I was like, that's fucking brilliant. And so that was another thing that I did for myself, you know, this, this recent time is that I wrote my own list. I wrote a list of reasons why I cannot kill myself. 20 or 30 things. I absolutely want to hear that list if you're open to sharing it with me. Before we do, I want to go back to something we talked about over email and this idea that it gets better, that it always gets better. You know, and, and that's a hard sell for me as well when you know when I say to people what about your future self you know let that be one of your protective factors is that you know think of who you were a week ago you're different and you're going to be different in a week from now but in the moment it's like no I'm not it's it's still going to be fucking painful this person is still going to hate me I'm still going to have this problem I'm still going to be broke I'm still going to be blah 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 and, I, and, and that's a hard sell to, to say to somebody, come on, it's going to be okay. You know, you'll be happy again. Like, how can I guarantee that? I don't know. Yeah, the most that you can do, and maybe this doesn't work in the relationship of a therapist, but as a friend is, this is what I think, the most you can do, I think is say, it might suck, but I, I'll do what I can to be there for you. Absolutely. That's yeah. about the most you can do for somebody. And say, hey, you know what? I, I, I want you to still be here. You know, I really, really want you to be here. If you died, if you killed yourself, I mean, I say this to my patients, I say, 
I would be heartbroken. I would be in a lot of pain if you did for yourself. And I have had to say that to some people and they take it for what it, whatever it's worth. Um, you know, like, cause you know, some people are like, I don't have anybody, you know, I'm lucky that on my list that I made, I counted 61 people that I would be transferring my pain to, but I know that people out there don't have, you know, they feel like they don't have anybody. So I at least try to, you know, say, but I would, I would care and I do care and I want to help you. Can you share any of that list or is that personal? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, reasons why you cannot kill yourself. And one through 16 are people in my life, 61 people, because I've, you know, like family, families. And <laughs> number 17 is my patients. I can't kill myself because what would that do for my patients? I wrote, um, I would be perceived as a selfish coward. Uh, rejection is a sign of progress. Um, my shame should not be fatal. And um, my negative thoughts are just thoughts and they aren't real. Number 26, there's a place where I'm needed and I belong. Number 27, if I survive, then that is a success. Number 29, you have many more gigs to rock out at. Start in a band. Oh, and number 30 is three people called you angel in the last week. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Nobody called me angel this week. Just so Sean, can... you're an angel. I think that you're an angel. My thank you. My question, because <laughs> I have a, only have a couple more questions, and then hey, whatever else you want to add, of course, I want to hear it. Given what you just shared about what you might tell somebody who was contemplating and the list you just shared, but let us not forget about January and, and a life that's been challenging. You think you're going to try again? I don't. No, I don't think that I am. I think that, you know, having that experience, listening to your podcast, listening to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hats off to you, Sean. Yeah. Sure. Thanks. But that, but that I really was like really in a really, really bad, dark place just a couple of weeks ago. And, and I have, I, I had tools that I knew that I had to use, you know, I had to, I had to make the choice to be like, come on, you do this for a living. And you know, that this knowledge that has been imparted to you from your patients, you know, that one patient is totally right. 61 people that I would make, I would break their hearts. Mm. And that's just the ones that came to my mind. And I know that list is not, there's tons of more people on that list. No, I don't, I don't think that I will. Um, I'm also really, really um, trying hard to remain sober. Um, mm. And I know that, that, that alcohol um, was a huge part of my, um, the January 30th attempt and my sadness recently. But yeah, I, I have to, I have to, I have to keep trying for, for those people and for myself and my future self, the opportunity to figure my shit out. There is a place, you know, where I am needed and, and where I'm accepted and where I belong. And I know it's right with my, with my kids and my, my family and friends for, for me right now, it's, it's that I don't have that like, you know, romantic love relationship in my life right now, you know, and that's really hard and being, being alone is, yeah, I, I completely can identify with what you said about how like this is not gonna fucking work if I'm alone. Yeah. That's how I, I I have felt too. Like, yeah, after 20 years of being, you know, saturated in kids stuff, I've been completely alone. And that has been fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. This is my last question. I think it is. <laughs> it's always hard for me because I could talk about this for so long, you know, I really can. You're really good at it. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, do you believe that people have a right to end their lives? Yes, I do. 
I do. Um, I, I think that, you know, just recently, um, a mutual friend, you know, she had a terminal Ill- illness that she had been battling a very long time. And, you know, in the United States, you know, she was able to, you know, get assistance with that. So in that case, yes, I, I, I do feel like that is, that is, you know, somebody's right to, to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end this. As far as other people, you know, where it's emotional, mental issues that they are choosing to end their life, who am I to say that they right. don't or do have that right? You know, I hope kind of what I have said is that, is that no, I'm really certain that there are people that, that you would be transferring your pain to that's going to be on you or whatever happens after we die, you know, that, that you um, are choosing to not be here anymore. But yeah, I, I do feel like it's, it is somebody's right because we're in this body in this world and it's fucking hard. And my problems, you know, compared to shower, you know, girl, my problems are probably a billion times less than, than people, you know, in, in countries where, where they have nothing and, very subjective. Yeah. Well, I will say, uh, I'm glad you're alive. Thank you. I'm glad um, you're alive. If you too. were not alive, we could not have this conversation. I think people will benefit from hearing it. I hope so. I gonna go out on a limb and assume, and I think I'm correct, that your uh, family's glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah, they are. 100%. My mom and dad came down um, when I shared them. They said they drove all the way down from 700 miles away. Because they're your parents. Mm-hmm. What else would you like to share? Open-ended. I think what you're doing is amazing. It, you. it helped me. It, it, you know, it helped me because I found this after my attempt. I just encourage anybody who's listening, who's really, you know, having these these thoughts and 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 planning and really want to die, start writing a list, and it might be helpful. Don't be afraid to reach out to anybody. Yes, they might not give you the answer that you want, but don't exhaust like, oh, well, I told that one person and that didn't fucking work. You know, a, a way that that can help you feel better is, is, is to talk about it. And, and you have to be really brave to fucking talk about it. You know, if there's any little tiny glimmer of like, you know what, just I just want, want something said to me or I want this problem to go away or I want this to change. If you have just the tiniest glimmer of like hope for, for, for that change to occur start thinking about, you know, reasons that you cannot kill yourself, um, people that you can reach out to that, you know, there is therapy out there of, of therapists that want to help you and want to listen. And it's also brave to be able to hold space. And by the way, if anybody ever wants to know how to do that or, or how to think about it, please email me <laughs> or message me. Like I'm not, a, I'm not an expert at it, but I'm okay at it. I'm decent at it. I really yeah, think I how people figure out what that means and what it looks like because we're not very good at it, somewhat learnable, you can improve upon it and it can really make a difference. So. And I like when you say that you're like, I'm not, you know, we're not really good at this. Nope. I do feel that I'm getting real. I'm getting really good at this. I bet. You know, and I, and I, I know that anybody, you know, cause I remember when I was initially like first couple, first couple months of therapy, being a therapist that terrified me when someone's like, yeah, I'm thinking about killing myself. And I was like, what? Right. I, I didn't know what to do. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Right, right, right. And first, and now I do feel like I'm I'm getting good at this conversation because yeah. I'm not afraid of it because mm-hmm. I've been through it and mm-hmm. and I I help people through it and that is you know a way to I don't know at least at least get some experience with it and knowledge so that so that like I can help people. Yeah, 
Yeah, somebody's saying they want to kill themselves or they're thinking about it doesn't mean they're actually killing themselves right now. Take a breath. Fucking listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, thanks again, Amy. Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate it. It's going to sound super trite and I never know how to end these things, but I just, I hope you stay well. Thank you. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Amy right here in North Carolina. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on social media at suicidenoted. And if you would, please rate and review this podcast. In fact, stop it or pause it right now. Scroll down if you're on Apple and rate it and review it. It really helps. It helps people find it and we need people to find it. So thanks so much for that. That is all for episode number 80. Wow. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.